Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, McLean McGowan, and thank you so much for being here with me. I realize how much noise there is, how busy we are as women, and especially as mothers, our quote-unquote free time is minimal at best, and I really honor you and I honor that and thank you for wanting me to be part of your day and your journey. I hope that you are listening on a walk or in bed nursing your baby or driving in your car, making your commute a little bit easier. But wherever you are on your journey, I'm with you. I am walking this path alongside and when we gather together energetically, whether over the internet, over Zoom, and then ideally in person, We do create change. We activate change within ourselves and within each other. So thank you for being here and showing up. I just did a card pull from the Earth Warriors Oracle that I use and love that those of you that listen to this podcast regularly know. And I pulled Palak Mana, which is medicine of the butterfly Kachina. And in the reading, it says, On wings of hope, Butterfly Kachina guides you through an ending to the light of a new life within. It is your transition into a happier time of increased pleasure and delight. Especially if you have experienced great struggle or loss, the spirit medicine of Butterfly brings hopeful promise to your heart. Here is your sign that there will be happiness, peace, and light. Trust in the goodness being birthed. An apparently lost cause or shattered dream was a necessary part of your transformational journey. What was sacrificed can be reborn into something even more beautiful. You are not meant to turn to the past as it cannot support you in the way it once did. Trust that you have the inner resources to handle what is happening within you and in your life. You are moving towards a significant psychological, emotional, and perhaps also physical breakthrough and transformation. You may have an inner sense of discomfort signaling that something new is unfolding within. It is natural to initially feel a little awkward or uncertain in the face of the unfamiliar. This is a good sign of change stirring from within. Allow nature to take its course. Trust in what is happening even whilst you don't fully understand it. It will turn out beautifully in the end, which will also happen to be a new beginning. Mm, I love that. That feels so apropos. One of the beautiful little memes of this past year for me was, which I'm sure a lot of you saw on Instagram, was the person, the female and the chrysalis, and then soaring into her new life as butterfly. And I think for so many of us, we are still unfurling and figuring out what the fuck just happened in 2020. Um, I was talking with a man actually earlier, and we were just discussing how so many of us 
really went through a lot. I mean, I think everyone was touched, right? Everyone in this entire world was touched, which in a way is a beautiful thing because it has the capacity to unify us. Unfortunately, what I think is happening concurrently is a lot of divisiveness. The media is stoking the fires of divisiveness, that's for sure. And, you know, I think we're still getting through it and white knuckling. And um, a lot of people are very traumatized. There's been so much violence, so much darkness that people are not even in a place to step into healing. But all of us that I know are awakened to the spirit world and nature and communing with nature and really having a beautiful connection with our intuition. We know that this is all part of the divine plan. We know that this is part of the journey for humankind. We know that we are letting institutions that have run our country, countries, and also the world be shaken up and for us to see the corruption and the deceit. So it's been hard and I know it has and it continues to be challenging and it continues to be showing up in your life with a new lens, thinking outside of the box in many ways, changing careers, losing jobs. And I'm not trying to bypass any of the brutality of it because I know it, it is brutal and it has been brutal for so many. And um, just sending love out to all of you, out to all of us as we continue to show up and move through this portal of time. I have a really exciting announcement that we are now moving Mom Club into a membership which is something I've been working on and trying to see what best works for most of us, if not all of us, because the women that have been on the mom club call are literally all over the world. So we have different time zones. We have kids at different ages, nap schedules, all of that. So what has become very clear is that the best way to do it is to make it a membership. So if you are interested, please, please look on the link tree in the bio of my Instagram at mother, the mother, and you will get a way to sign up for my newsletter and you'll get all the information each week on how to move forward with joining Mom Club. The intention for this is to be a conscious community of women, women that identify as women, women who maybe have kids, maybe have babies, maybe are pregnant, maybe don't want kids. This is a community that we are building together and there'll be different options. So wherever you are on the journey, you are welcome. And we'll go from there. I think what will be happening is as it grows and widens, there will be then group coaching from the different groups. So say there are 10 pregnant moms that are on the call and want to start their own more um, specific group for pregnancy. That would be a group coaching call. And we would move forward from that way. So breaking up into the different subgroups of mom club. And then also I have my one-on-one coaching which is growing and flourishing and I'm so fired up about it and so grateful for the clients that are coming. So thank you all for showing up. And as always, you can email me mclean at motherthemother.com. You can reach me through Instagram. And also, if you are interested, if your interest is peaked in Mother the Mother coaching, please just schedule a free discovery call with me, 15 to 20 minutes, and we'll talk and see if it's the right time for you, if it's the right fit if working together at this time will be for your highest good. And without further ado, this week's guest is Kelly Morris, who is a woman 
a fierce goddess, meditation teacher, yoga teacher. She was a total yoga star back in the 90s. Big, big deal. I used to go to her Jiva Muti classes in New York City in the 90s, and there were literally bodyguards keeping people out of her room because it would get so packed, like mat to mat, sweating on the next person's mat next to you. And it was such a special, exciting time. I was just coming into my 20s in and around college. And Kelly has been a woman that has continued to weave in and out of my life. And it's just such an honor to have her on the podcast. She now is offering an incredible service through her infinity call meditation call, which is daily. And it has been a beautiful part of my up-leveling within the past couple of years. It was a beautiful addition to my other meditation practices and really helped me harness my female power, my divine feminine. And it dovetailed right when I was in postpartum, when I started really using the meditation. I was in my first 40 days with Goldie Wolf, and it was a really potent, powerful time uh, to be a woman, to be a new mother for the second time, to be stepping into yet another initiation as a mom of two. And I, I owe a lot of gratitude and respect for Kelly. The Infinity Call is based in female power. I'm tempted to use the word female shamanism, but I also know that that word, it can be very triggering because we see it on everything right now, right? Like shaman candles and shaman bath bombs. But the meditation is a shamanic experience. It is coming into the power of the divine feminine because it is all rooted in nature. Her whole meditation is rooted in the connection between you and Gaia Mother Earth. And it is really powerful, especially for any of you that have not done deep grounding work or deep work with nature, the divine connection that is actually here for us all the time, if we can connect to her. So without further ado, here is Kelly Morris. Hi, Kelly. How are you? It's so nice to be here. How are you doing? I know. It's taken a minute, but we're here. It's happening. <laughs> The always dramatic lead up to <laughs> Zoom sessions. <laughs> I know, but we're, you know, we're doing the best we can and we're doing it. So it's better than not doing it, Absolutely. but I'm going to come to New Mexico at some point and we'll do one in person, which will be awesome too. That'll be on fire. Yeah. I would love for you to come visit me here in the land of enchantment. I would too. I love it there. And I actually have a couple of friends through this COVID portal have moved there. So I definitely, I definitely want to plan a trip there. For those listening that don't know Kelly, I mean, you were, I mean, you were on billboards in New York City. You were like a badass yogini to all the stars, all the celebs, but like also because you would fucking take them to task and call them out. And your classes used to have bodyguards because so many people would try to bust into your class. <laughs> I mean, it was like getting into a nightclub, getting into your yoga class. It was fun and wild. And I feel like younger generations have no clue what the fuck I'm talking about. So it yeah. is a really fun part of history. You know, the train left the station with yoga, like who the hell knows even what it is anymore. Everybody and their brother does these weekend teacher trainings. And yeah. it's like, you just throw up an Instagram account and if you can do a decent pose, well, there you go. Yeah. But then what Wanderlust Festival found out when they invited these 
so-called yoga teachers with these gigantic social media followings is you get them into a room and it all falls apart. It's literally a costume. And when they have to get in front of a room and actually lead or teach or share or inspire or take ownership of the room and make it happen, they can't. You know, the no one comes. The way that patriarchy eviscerates anything holy, how it just destroys everything it touches, how it can render the most holy things into somewhat profane, limping versions of themselves. Like when I used to teach yoga, it was to become enlightened. Everyone in the room was like, no, it's going to happen. I'm dedicating my practice to the well-being of all sentient beings throughout all space and time. I am accumulating the karma. I can become the Buddha. And now, I mean, I don't really go to yoga classes anymore. I, I, I don't either. I haven't for years. So I was dating a gentleman from Los Angeles who's now one of the wealthiest men in the world, Dan Loeb, who runs Third Point Partners. And he was living in Santa Monica. And I used to visit him on the red eye from New York. And one day he said, um, I want you to go to yoga class. And I remember being like, what? Yoga? get out of town. I'm not going to a yoga class. Like what the hell is that? Hippy dippy crap. He made me go. And it was, um, Johnny Kest or Jimmy Kest. And oh, Brian Kest. Brian Kest. Yeah. yeah. And I went to the class. I couldn't do a single thing. I went to the class. It was so crowded. I remember Lisa Bonet was in the class. Kest in the middle of teaching vinyasa, you know, inhaling, take your arms up. Hey, Lisa, exhaling, come forward. Lisa, inhaling, look up. Exhaling, Lisa, give me your number. Jump back, Chaturanga. Inhaling, just say yes. Wow. Exhaling, down dog. And he's scribbling her number down. And I thought, okay. And we left the class and Dan said, how'd you like it? And I said, this is what I'm gonna do from now on. And he said, uh, oh, good for you. You're gonna start practicing yoga. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm gonna become a yoga teacher. And this was where there wasn't a lot of yoga. No one was doing yoga back then. And I went to you know, integral yoga, Iyengar yoga. And then I went to Jiva Mukti on 2nd Avenue. And I walked up those long black wooden stairs to the second floor. And I took Sharon's class. And it was like nothing I had ever experienced before. And that was it. I dropped out of Parsons, applied to Jiva Mukti, was disinherited by my family. And four years later, 9-11 happened and I was on the cover of New York Magazine. And then I sat there at Jivamuti for a while. And then Sharon and David introduced me to a man named Michael Roach, who taught in the school lineage of his holiness, the Dalai Lama, which is called the Prasangita Majamika lineage. And I devoted myself to that for seven or eight years. What I discovered from both of those extremely paternal, hierarchical, male-dominated, male-catering lineages is our gender, at least, if not both, needs to divorce themselves from the say-so of others. The idea of the guru is a feature of patriarchy. There's always someone in patriarchy, external to you, who knows more than you, a pro, an expert, a professional, a graduate, a PhD. And it's always good to have advice, but for a woman, she never lets go of her father's hand. 
-hmm. It's from the father's hand to a husband's hand or a guru's hand or a male boss's hand. And there's this kind of infantilism that takes place among our gender on this very deep, chthonic, not easily seen place where it lives inside of us. And how it comes out is someone's coming, right? To take care of this, to fix this, to save me. I mean, someone, even at 55 in March, I'm still thinking at times, someone's coming, right? No one's coming. Patriarchy makes you think someone's coming other than you to fix it, but no one is. It's up to us. And that requires an agency and a sense of sovereignty that cannot be actualized or enunciated without a daily meditation practice. And the infinity call, when I left all these hierarchical, patriarchal, spiritual paths, remember these spiritual paths that surround us, whether they are the three Abrahamic religions or Buddhism, Taoism, these were primarily formulated by men for men living in monastic conditions. They had to revile the body. They weren't allowed to have sex. They were only permitted one emotion, unconditional love or detachment. They prized obedience, submission. The idea in many of those patriarchal paths is to get the fuck out of earth that earth is some kind of stepping stone, that she's just a dead, inert rock orbiting the sun here for our pleasure. They have handily engendered climate change with that perspective. And the idea for all of us, all homo sapiens within patriarchy is to be terrified of the mother, to be terrified of the great cosmic goddess, the dealer of both life and death, and regeneration. As long as, oh my God, it's a mouse, exists, no one cares about fracking or drilling. Not really. And so an imperative for women is to come into direct and immediate engagement with Gaia, without their cell phones, with no electronics, without friends, maybe with your animals, and really engaging with nature the way you might with a new friend or a new lover smelling, touching, tasting, sharing, disclosing, being vulnerable, listening, being quiet, trying to connect. When you do that regularly, when you invite her in, unlike the male gods, which seem to exist sometime in the past, in the sacred feminine, the earth herself is the most accessible manifestation of the divine feminine. We recognize that Everything alive from the smallest microbe to the tallest tree is imbued with and radiating a measure of consciousness. Even rocks have consciousness. So when we go outside and engage, even though the tree is not running at you, barking, wagging its tail, it doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship with the tree. The tree is entirely aware of you. Gaia is conscious. She is aware of all of her offspring. How could she? It'd be like you forgetting one of your kids. What, does that happen often? Mm-hmm. You're aware, they're part of you. They're made of you and your spouse. They are you and you are them on some macro sense. And so when this awakening happens within a woman, when she begins to awaken through meditation to the understanding that nature itself, Gaia itself, 
is the greatest source of power for a woman. Forget everything else you've ever bought, begged, or stolen to make yourself shored up, to make yourself you. Meditation with the mother, slowly you will discard all of the inroads, the incursions of patriarchy, the ones that make you feel small, ugly, pathetic, worthless, and isn't the biggest one ugly, right? In patriarchy, the insult to a woman, the, what no woman wants to hear, right? Doesn't matter if she has 20 PhDs, this ache inside. Am I okay looking? Mm -hmm. Am I disgusting? You know? So that echo in a woman's mind, however faint or loud, is a very crippling cloak to wear atop the original template of you, which is made of innocence and power, grace and goodness. So meditation has this way of returning us to ourselves, to the us. It isn't like the, that saying, the uh, oh, um, the crack is where the light gets in. There's a version of pottery in Japan where they don't fix the crack. Mm -hmm. They emphasize the crack. So I'm not so much saying that. I'm saying, no, no, no. When you meditate with the mother, she returns you to pre-crack, at least for the duration. If you hit that sweet spot after 15 minutes, you're like, oh, right. This is reality. This is truth. Oh, it's not a bumper sticker. It's not like a wish. Oh, my fingers are crossed. We're all one. You realize it. And when you have the experience of it, it can never be taken from you. And it begins to inform everything that you do. Yeah. Because the alternative is the patriarchal perspective, which is that none of us are connected. Circle the wagons, protect you and yours. You know, a real man does this. A real man does that. And we don't subscribe to that. We recognize that patriarchy is a six or 7,000 year blip on a 250,000 history, her story of homo sapiens. It's all we've ever known, but it's only been here a short time. And we see it's not sustainable, which is why it didn't happen before. What existed before this, right? Yeah. Because this isn't sustainable. So yeah. what was it? I'm just sitting here thinking about many things. <laughs> I mean, and it's just so important. It's crucially important and now more than ever. And also, you know, it can feel scary because so many of our lives are built on foundations, whether we are knowingly subscribing to it or not, are built on the patriarchy. So once you start to really see how it all stems from that. It's super overwhelming. And it's also like, fuck, like, you know, where do I go from here? I've got kids, I'm married, I'm in it, you know? You're in it. Yeah. Um, and it's not just like, it's all our partner's fault either. It's like, we've all been duped by the patriarchy, you know? No, Everyone's men, suffering. Men have been destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Patriarchy. I just, I would, yeah. I would say that the original male rage, from my perspective, after meditating on this for a long time, is in the West, boys are separated from their mothers. They are asked to reject the very thing that gave birth to them, that gave them life, that they love more than life itself. They sucked at her breasts. They are one. He must go sleep in another bed. He's a boy. He's not a girl. To be a girl is an insult. 
This is why women can wear Yves Saint Laurent three-piece suits and a man cannot wear a Yves Saint Laurent strapless ball gown. Mm-hmm. To be a woman is an insult. So if you are taken away from something you love, if you are taken away from the only reality you know, if you are told, no, you're a boy, you have to be like this now, no more crying, no more acting like a girl, you have to man up, you have to be a little boy. What does the boy have to do to the mother? Demonize her, hate her, reject her, because love and hate, right? They're yeah. the flip side of the same coin yeah. or can be. So he can't just be like, oh, but I love her, but okay, I'll love her from a distance or okay, sure. Well, I'll just love her on the weekends or I'll just love her when I get married, you know, like she gives me away. I don't know. It's the boy is asked to reject outright what would in a binary society be called the feminine. Mm -hmm. The part of him that connects, the part of him that empathizes, the part of him that can see relationship between seemingly disparate objects. You ask the boy to live entirely in the left side of his brain. Left brain is responsible for language, like subject and object. Oh, I'm not my mother. I'm me. Oh, it's my mother and me, subject and object. Now I can have a conversation. I can, I understand I'm not you, you're not me. But they take that separation of subject and object a wee bit too far in patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So the right brain, the creative, free associative, global diffused thinking, making connections. You can do brain scans of men and women's brains. Another thing that distinguishes us from men is that our left and right brain hemispheres are in communion. Men's are not biologically speaking. So when you do a brain scan, you see connections, synaptic connections being made from both sides of the brain and happening simultaneously everywhere in the brain. Like when the brain listens to music, that happens for men too. The brain lights up. So even today, admit it, if you're in public and you see, I don't know, an eight-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy, Balling his, if you saw a 15 year old boy bawling his eyes out in the middle of a thing, like sitting on the ground, you know, like having a tantrum, like really being emotional, it's uncomfortable. You're like, oh, whoa. whether you want to protect him or whether you're like, what? Okay, like, okay, good for you. You're crying. Wow, you're so evolved. But there's a part of us, the indoctrinated programmed part, that is like a little bit yikes, mm. like, whoa. It is. It's like that. So then the boy grows to be the man who now this is all concretized inside of him. Now this is a neural pathway. He doesn't cry. He doesn't empathize well. He's learned how to be what he was told to be. Then you have patriarchy and then they have these sex drives, high testosterone. Then you have patriarchy selling everything with women's bodies So where do they experience union? How can the man in patriarchy accomplish union? I don't know. How would a man who's been indoctrinated in that way experience union, experience oneness, experience the thing that allows us to live another motherfucking day? How? Oh, sex. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all they've been given. And I'm speaking in you know, very hyperbolic terms, but in a sense, that's all they're left with to accomplish union, to experience oneness. Could that be why they want it so bad? You know, when a man is coming up to you and being like, 
you know, maybe your own husband is like, you know, tap, tap, tap on the shoulder, like, let's make love. And you're like, what? Like, then you're not even connected right now. Like, what are you even talking? Go fuck a hole in the wall. Like, what do you even mean? Let's have sex right now. What? And, but then you could look at him now and go, you know, take a step back and go, you make you cry. It makes me cry now. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. They want connection. They want union. They want that's the that's their clumsy Neanderthal bop you over the head, drag you by the hair into the cave. You know, like they haven't evolved past that, many of them. And it just makes me cry because I'm like, I don't like being hit, you know, like I'm like, get away from me. But <laughs> yeah, well, same it's, it's not like sexy, you know. It's not yeah, when I but when I think about them and the suffering yeah. and the loneliness and the alienation, mm-hmm. and it can only be alleviated by drinking or drugs or you know, they can bury themselves into work and lose themselves in the oneness of work or something, the oneness of accomplishment, but they're not getting that primal, earth-driven, intergalactic orgasm that's cleansing them and reminding them, frankly, of their mother, of the original experience of union where they were safe and they were held and they were loved and they were allowed to be girls Mm. it's so sad you know but at the same time you know i'm not like oh therefore i'm gonna you know have sex with you right (laughs) right no (laughs) it's really tricky you know and then if you're married in matriarchy there's like nine existing matriarchies left in the world so in matriarchy a woman inherits everything because much like in judaism only maternity can be established in offspring. They didn't have paternity tests 7,000 years ago, 8,000 years ago. That baby could be anyone's. And often it was in matriarchy. Yeah. Okay, so the matriarchy is going along. The woman never leaves the house. She inherits the house. She inherits all property, money, social status, influence, everything. The woman never leaves the house, meaning she never has to go buy a house, right? They live together. It's a like a group marriage, which sounds like an orgy, but that's not what it means at all. So when she wants a lover, her parents throw a party (laughs) and tell all the boys in the province to come bearing gifts. (laughs) And they all come. And then the daughter sits there and goes, that one. Then she has a special love shack up on stilts, separate from the main house. The man comes over at dusk And they do their love, hanging out, laughing. You know how you do when you're in love for the first three weeks of being in love, right? So they're they're, (laughs) three months for you because it's about three weeks for me. So so they're in the three week, you know, like everything's amazing. I love you so much. We're never going to be apart. Let's get married. Oh my God, I love you so much. Let's have kids. Let's run away. So they have their love affair. It's amazing. It's beautiful as love affairs always are. He leaves at dawn, by the way, and goes back to his house. <laughs> and then she does her work. You know, she's the queen of the castle. She works all day. And then he comes back that night and they have their good time. I mean, like, it's like ideal, right? So then when you break up with someone in matriarchy, you break up with someone in matriarchy when the bloom is off the rose and there's no stigma. They're not like, what? 
you guys just got together. What do you mean? You have another lover. You just broke up with that guy. What do you mean? When the bloom is off the rose, it ends. They don't have this emphasis on longevity. Why would they? She has her own money. She has inheriting her home. Mm. She's inheriting social influence. She doesn't need to marry a man to have security, to be safe, to have money. This is in matriarchy. In patriarchy, it's often wise to have a husband, right? In some regards. So when they break up and there's no like boo-hoo-hoo, it's, yeah, the rose, the bloom is off the rose. We're done. Like the parents have another party. <laughs> Our daughter's back on the poontang market. <laughs> it's like this glorious celebration. It's not this disgusting thing. Now, hold up. Here's the second piece of matriarchy. And this is hard to digest sometimes. They have what's called group marriage. What it means is, let's say that woman in China got pregnant from her lover, her six months lover, right? And let's say they barely know each other. They were just making love and having a good time just like everybody who doesn't know each other after six months of being together. Right. And then you get pregnant. Oh my God. Okay. What happens now? Do I have an abortion? Do I have the baby? Do I tell him? Do I get married? What do I do? Uh, I don't know if I love him. Like, uh, okay. In matriarchy, the biological father can act as the father if he wants to. Otherwise, it is socially done. The mother's uncle or brother acts as the social parent. The child isn't lied to. It's nothing like that. This is how it's set up. Doesn't that make sense? Oh, gee whiz. Because who cares about the woman? The lover she had for six months? The family. Yeah. The family house she never left. Mm -hmm. She didn't leave her father's home for another father's home. She stayed. She inherited everything. Like the queen bee, she takes lovers when she wants to. By the way, if the bloom never leaves the rose... There are relationships in matriarchy that last a lifetime. You're not required to, mm -hmm. you know, have this revolving door of lovers. It's so amazing and it makes so much sense. So the mother has the baby. Then if the father wants to be involved, he can. But otherwise, it's, there's no stigma if he doesn't. Doesn't that make sense? It's like when a woman gets pregnant on a one night stand, tells the one night stand, hey, I'm pregnant. I need money. I need, I'm taking you to court. And of course, the guy's like, what? I don't even know you. But guess who does know her? Family. Her brother yeah. and her uncle. And they care about her and they care about the stability of the family unit. They all live there together. Does that not make sense? It makes so much sense. And it just, it fucking bums me out that we're so <laughs> not aligned with that and that power, that innate power, you know? It's just, it's well, like our society's so ass backwards in every well, single way. But here's the thing, like this pandemic has forced, there's a couple of very positive outcomes from the pandemic. There's no place to go anymore that's clean, that's safe, that's holy, that's alive, except nature. Mm -hmm. So all these people are suddenly buying hiking boots and you know, renting dogs and going, <laughs> going up the mountain, which is for me you know, amazing because until people get into direct engagement with nature, not taking pictures, not buying a plant at the deli and sticking it on the table. I'm talking about recognizing that earth is a live, conscious, aware of you waiting for our species to engage. We're the only species that isn't cavorting all day with her and with other species. Every other species in the forest is communicating with each other. You know what the shamans say? When Westerners enter the jungle, the jungle falls silent. Every animal goes quiet. 
Why? Mm. They say they know you've been booted out of the garden. Mm. They know you're not welcome here. And so the rehabilitation that can take place on the call and when women engage with actual non-conceptual nature is, first of all, there's this sense of belonging that arises that has never been engendered in our gender in this particular epoch of culture ever. You're a woman, according to Christianity, you are the cause of all suffering worldwide that ever was and ever will be and that currently is. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. Mm. And so even if you're like, that's a bunch of horseshit, it doesn't matter. It's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. It's, the, it's that wallpaper on the walls that you don't even notice, you know? Mm-hmm. So the pandemic brought the personal reckoning that has to take place for many people within these quarantine circumstances because they have never stopped and stood still and looked at the choices they're making. What have I done with my life? You know, I'm in my apartment, I've got this pile of money over there, but I have nowhere to spend it. I can't go buy the car, I can't go on vacation, I can't redecorate my house and then put it on Instagram and show everybody. What, okay, I just spent 20 years making all this money, now what? Mm-hmm. And it's so perfect from my perspective, because that's right. In patriarchy, you're allowed one thing, money. That's all you get. That's all you get in patriarchy. You, you can only be one thing in patriarchy, you know, yeah. successful. That's all you're allowed. This very limited understanding of success to begin with. Yeah. And then you're meant to make do with just money. And then, you know, the, most people don't have, even have that. We, it's no one's fault. Like we were told that material objects would make us happy. We were told that the esteem of our peers would make us happy. We were told living here, having this, looking like this would make us happy. We were told many things. And of course, what happens is that when people do realize what's going on, the scam, the farm they bought, whole hog, they feel like it's too late. If they're deep in the matrix, they'll double down on what they're already doing and be like, well, if a million dollars isn't enough, it must be because I'm meant to have two. Right. So let me just work all day and all night, (laughs) ignoring friends and family, watching the world burn down while I single pointedly pursue mammon. Yeah. Many people realize too late. So when I went to Sarah Lawrence, they gave you grades if you were going to go to graduate school, because you'd have to show grades to the graduate school. And so I was thinking of going to graduate school and I got my grades and I got a C, my only C from a psychology teacher at Sarah Lawrence. I went for my one-on-one with him and I saw this color photograph of him and a young girl on his desk. And I knew damn well that she was a student at the school. And so I turned to him and I said, oh, your daughter's so lovely. And he about <laughs> lost his mind. He was so old. I mean, it was gross. So, but I did learn one, one, and only one cool thing in that class, which was for most people, effort determines value, but how it's supposed to be is value determines effort. Mm. So what that means is the more you put money in a hole in the ground, the more you will. So they put in the effort, say in the marriage or the job or whatever it is, 
the more effort you put in, the more valuable the thing becomes to you because of all the time and effort you've spent, perhaps wasted, putting into this thing. But we can't accept that it was wasted. And so they stay and it becomes effort determines value. Whereas it should be, this is so valuable, I'm going to put effort into it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm going to put effort into it. Not this is valuable because I put effort into it. Yeah. I mean, what the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I just stood here for three years, banging my hand on the table. And I'm not going to stop because I've been doing it for three years. And you're telling me it's stupid? Well, no, 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 no. I can't accept that. I can't accept that. I'm going to keep going. Because it's just become so valuable because I've done it for so long and my time is valuable. I'm valuable. And don't even tell me this was a waste of my time. One thing I'd love to know is how did you, because you had your disillusionment or falling out with the Buddhism chapter of your life. And then how did you get onto the matriarchal tip? What was that journey? So when I left Tibetan Buddhism, it was a truly catastrophic time for me. And I went home to my beautiful home in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. And I had 16 foot ceilings that had books from floor to ceiling. And I put almost all of them into garbage bags and put them out on the stoop. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to teach another thing that doesn't come directly from my own experience. The end. That's it. And then I was in Long Island. I had moved out of the city. I was, it, it was really a very chaotic time. And I was waking up in the middle of the night, sobbing. And I was in this house in Bridgehampton. And one night I woke up sobbing and I was sitting cross-legged in the middle of this big lumpy rental bed. And it was dark. And I, I have only told this story one or two times. I um, was just deep in a well of hell. And from beneath me came a voice. It wasn't male or female, but it was definitely feminine. And if you've ever drowned, I've drowned a couple times. There's nothing but water. You can't see, feel, taste, touch. You're just being flattened by the ocean and you can't breathe and there's nothing else and you can't think of anything else. Your life is at stake. And as I sat there, this voice came and was like the ocean encompassed everything and everyone. And it said, it's time, bring my daughters home. It's time. And I was like, what? I mean, I've had in biblical proportion experiences before, spiritual experiences, this was unbelievable. If you want to talk about the voice of God, this was like the voice of God. It took me a long time to have any idea what was going on. I was apprenticing with a shaman at the time. And so I was sort of in the thick of that kind of thinking and feeling and acting. And then living in Brooklyn, I had folded up Conquering Lion teacher training overnight because it had been built on the principles of Tibetan Buddhism, which had gone very badly for me in some ways. And so I just closed it. And because of my dyscalculia, I didn't realize money actually doesn't grow on trees. 
And I started and I was like, oh, my God, wait, now you have no money. And I started teaching meditation to women only in my apartment in Brooklyn. You may have remembered I used to post it on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I would charge like one twenty five for four sessions. And the women came. I couldn't believe they came. And then what really was unbelievable was these women didn't know how to meditate and they would come to my apartment and we would sit in a circle and within two sessions, I barely had to speak. Everyone would go deep. Like there's something that, so in several States in America, it is still on the books that women cannot meet in groups larger than three in public. Now you might say, you know, that's a bunch of horror, but why, why would that ever have been right? Okay. So sitting in this, my Carol gardens, Brooklyn apartment with these strangers sitting in a circle, I realized something happens in the quantum field Mm -hmm. when women come together with a single purpose, not we're going to lunch, we're going shopping, we're going on vacation. When they sit together and commune with the mother, with Gaia, it was incredible. And then my landlord said, you can't run business in here. And I was like, it's like a book club. We're silent. Like, what do you mean? And he said, nope. And I was so devastated by the loss of my, you know, my relative who had killed herself and everything else that I didn't even fight him. And I thought, well, maybe you should try to be more divine feminine about this and stop fighting him on everything. Right. Like, even though it felt so unjust, then I, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, basically. So I moved to Periscope, an app called Periscope. And I figured out how to monetize Periscope because of my learning disability, which is a free broadcasting app. But I figured out how to make it. And then they found out and changed the rules. And then I was like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to teach meditation to these women? Anyway, at the end of the day, I was told by three high-end experts that what I wanted to do was impossible without spending around $180,000 on a website. And I was like, what? Like, what are you kidding me? This one of the call was live. And they said, if you want to do a live call, it's going to cost you, you know, close to $200,000 to get that kind of technology set up on a site. And I was like, I don't have 200, like what? So I got into bed in Carroll Gardens on a Friday night and I didn't get out till Monday. And I was on my computer that whole time. I figured out how to do it. And then I hired the guy who did it for me. And then the infinity call was born in this more dramatic way. And then all the women started signing up and now it's today. And of course my dream is that every single woman on the planet is meditating together, homeless women, Oprah, military women, all of the women in the hospitals, basically all the women everywhere. Mm-hmm. rising up together. Imagine if we had a million women on the infinity call and on Wednesday morning at the end of the talk, we meditated and talk. I said, Oh, by the way, LA, New York, Miami, Atlanta, in a couple hours at noon, we're all going to meet at the intersection of fifth Avenue and 54th street and su- shut down the intersection for equal pay. We're only going to be there for 10 minutes. By the time the police r- arrive, you're all gone. In the same way that if you want to hurt a man, often, not always, you go for the money. In the same way, New York City, Miami, Atlanta, they can't survive Fifth Avenue and 52nd Street being shut down for 10 minutes. Do you know how much money that costs the city? 
millions and millions and millions of dollars. No paper trail, no meetings, just, hey, meet you at 12 o'clock here. 5,000 women show up, boom. We keep doing it, different locations until the laws change. Look what's happening in Poland right now. The women that are protesting there, it's, it's turning into something that government never anticipated at this point. Yeah. They just keep going. Yeah. Or like I had a client who was being sexually harassed by her boss in Silicon Valley. She had to go to work and wasn't allowed to talk to anyone or have anyone talk to her for a year. In the end, she got totally screwed over by the boys club. Imagine, imagine if I got on the call and I was like, all of you ladies in Silicon Valley, here's the address of the CEO's home. We're going to be meeting there at 6 a.m. this morning and standing outside with placards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that case would have been wrapped up yeah. and they would have given her the money that she deserved. Yeah. So. And when we gather, it, it ignites that fire within us if it's been quelched too, you know? And then, so it's like on one level, it's the single focus of all of us mm-hmm. in one mission. And then it's also those little things in, in each one of our lives also, you know, ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Totally. I yeah, I mean, it's... and for our kids and everything, I mean, that's how it's going to change. It's just, it is with each one of us in each one of our homes and helping each other. Yes. And the mother is the centerpiece, maybe not in patriarchy, but in reality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are and, the matrix of life. And I do think another silver lining in this horribleness of this portal of time, you know, there's just the suicide and the depression and all of that is just breaks my heart, but there are silver linings. And one of them is seeing that women are getting the shaft and we do so much and we wear so many hats and so many women are being forced out of the workplace now to be at home with their kids. And I just believe strongly that there is the capacity for change during this. And I'm just, you know, praying that that will happen. Absolutely. I think it's during times of great upset and tumult that we're experiencing now where so many patriarchal institutions are being upended, dissolved, shown to be unsustainable. And this is, you know, if I can just push the meditation piece, we have to meditate because otherwise you're just a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of other people's ideas and visions. There is no vision within patriarchy. It will always be infected with patriarchy in meditation. When you manage to absolve yourself of some of those patriarchal restrictions, constrictions, feelings, and connect to the mother, she has the ability with you to generate a vision for yourself and your world moving forward. And we each need that vision. No one's proposed a vision. It's just sort of like a better patriarchy. And I'm not saying this is going to happen in our lifetime. It may not, but it may happen in your daughter's lifetime or in your daughter's daughter's lifetime. And it's just like anything else. If we don't get started now, in 30 days, we're going to go, I wish I had started that 30 days ago because we'd be 30 days into it now. It's like anything. We have to just get started. Meditation, having a vision, moving our own identity, evolving it forward into the being that's going to be able to stand up and not be a part of the problem. We'll have solutions. We'll have visions. Every single woman incarnated at this time on this home planet for specific reasons, you have gifts 
whether at home, in the world, small gifts, big gifts, gifts people notice, gifts no one notices. It doesn't matter. You deliberately incarnated at this time because you have a role here. And it isn't sitting at home, feeling inadequate and unworthy and pathetic. No one gets anywhere with that. And so in my opinion, just like sleep once every 24 hours, you have to eat once every 24 hours. You have to take a shower once every 24 hours. You take a shit once every 24 hours. You have to meditate. <laughs> you have to meditate. No, but it's just like- Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. No, because meditation, it. Yeah. it became like this special thing for special totally. people. Oh, meditation. It's not, it should be as ordinary as brushing your teeth. Yeah. And until it is as ordinary as brushing your teeth, it doesn't become a part of your living reality. It's this chore. It's this thing that you wedge in between more important things like manicures and making dinner. It's eventually meditation becomes the pivot point of your whole life because the information that you are receiving when you become a good meditator is so informing and so forming that you can't arise out of it the same. I should say, you can't arise out of it, not yourself. And the more you meditate, the more you become you. And the more you become you, the more powerful you become, the more individual you become, the more confident, the more clear. Of course, because you're not infected with Anna Wintour's ideas and, oh, and your mom's ideas. Oh, and, and the dog's ideas. Oh, and what you just read in the paper or read in the magazine. I mean, you know. It is that thing where once you get in the flow of it, you realize it's almost like the the freeway, you know, it's, you get the, you get to where you actually want to be going so much faster yes. if you take the time to meditate. And, you know, I, that's something I was just actually speaking of this morning of, I think part of this patriarchal thing that has worked really well in keeping women and our words down is like this, this idea of perfection. And I definitely have mm -hmm. fallen prey to that is I don't want to start this until it looks beautiful. And I don't want to start this program until I get new headshots or the videos up or whatever. And actually the power is just in starting. And if we all just collectively decided, we're just going to start and we're going to figure it out as we go, but at least it's forward momentum. Mm -hmm. we, we all would just be empowered to fucking start stuff and not yes. looking back and being like, Oh, I should have done that a year ago, but here I am again. And I haven't done it, you know? Yes. And what you're saying so perfectly points to what we just spoke about, which is this thing in women of because of the way we've been conditioned that we don't quite take action. Often yeah. we don't reach for the gold ring. We're kind of like, well, who's, we look around going, well, who's, because we're so used to being told what to do. And so when you're no longer being told what to do, it's a very strange and scary place. You might not even recognize it as being, oh, well, if there's no page, if, if we remove patriarchy, well, what do, I, how, what do I do all day? How do I live my life yeah. outside of patriarchy? Like, what does that look like? You know, it's very hard to get there without a practice like meditation that fosters self-agency that fosters a sense of sovereignty in a world that banks on you never, ever, ever reaching for it. No, 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 no. You should trade your sovereignty for a white dress and a toaster oven. That's patriarchy's proposal. And it's so interesting too, because it doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look like, you know, like when mm -hmm. you're talking, I'm just imagining a, you know, type A CEO, <laughs> um, you know, goal kind of of what we're teaching our daughters, right? Or some of us are teaching our daughters or whatever. Right. But that is just as patriarchal. It's just uh, Xeroxing it, like you were saying. It's mm -hmm. just 
having these outer rules or the magazines or the the TV programming or watching or, you know, the graduate schools you went to, like all of that Mm -hmm. is the patriarchy. So it's not just this like, you know, fuck you, I'm not part of the patriarchy because I'm a CEO. It's like, uh, actually, maybe you're just the one that's perpetuating it for all of us, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just interesting. The more you get into it, it's so... Uh, mind blowing <laughs> for, I mean, for all of us. I remember at Sarah Lawrence, a literary, a literature teacher telling me there was a whole course on, I, I'm not going to do it justice, but it was a whole course on dissembling the novel that the novel itself is a male construction. Wow. I know. I was like, well, wow. You know, how do you write a book after if someone says, well, the normal format for a book is, was determined by men and for men that may not be the best format for you. Well, what else is there, you know? And that's where meditation comes in. You can kind of figure it out. Should we do a closing thing to just ground ourselves after the excitement? So exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. Connecting, women talking is always exciting. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes. See yourself in a beautiful forest, sitting at the base of a gigantic tree the most beautiful tree you've ever seen. The light is coming through the leaves, dappled and glorious. Now, from your heart, see a shaft of light moving down your body, inside your body, and into the earth, all the way down to the center, her crystalline womb. Tie a little bow there and feel her come up inside of you. Now, see roots coming out of the bottom of you, whatever's touching the earth, your legs, your feet. See filaments of light going all the way down and winding and weaving into all of the regular root systems. Embed yourself. Now, in your mind, say to the mother, I am releasing all of this heavy energy into you. Then envision how you like that energy going down your body like a bathtub being drained. And then the cord is drained all the way down to the center and it's in her while you remain connected via this uh, spiritual umbilical cord. Feel better? Always. Good. Thank you. So good to connect. And thank you for all of your work. And I'm grateful that you have woven in and out of my life at different times. And... Same here. Your offering is just such a beautiful journey for us. So thank you for putting it out into the world. And I'll have in my show notes how people can reach you. But the Infinity Call is daily and they can find you on Instagram. Yeah. And everyone should go to YouTube and watch The Burning Times. The Burning Times. It's low budge, but you got to watch it. It's an education that will blow your mind. All right. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this work, all the service that you do, all of this forward thinking glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be here today with you and to have you on the call and to sit with you and to meditate and to connect. And together, we are going to shift the world. Amen. All right. Much love right. to you. You too. Bye. Bye.